listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from WoW Dogs, and For the Lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Hello and welcome to For the Lore. This is Roger coming to you on Monday, October 19th, and I have with me, as usual, Joe. And actually, we have a special guest here because Enrique, as you heard from last episode, has been quite busy with the move. He and his family are moving houses, and so he's a little too busy to, to come around tonight as well as Monday of next week. So we put a call out to see if anybody was able to pronounce three-syllable words, and that's about as high as he put the bar. And we wound up with wow relief, so we're quite happy to have Joey on the show with us for this episode. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Hopefully I can reach that bar that uh, Rick set. I honestly don't think it'll be much of a problem, so that's all right. <laughs> no, He's not kidding. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> so no, we're we're happy to have you on the show. You are more of a WoW gamer, as you said. Uh, you you have played some other stuff as well, but you 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 primarily WoW. Are are you finding that you're more of a WoW player in terms of just the 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 gameplay and the the leveling and whatnot, or are you a lore junkie like we are? Um, actually, the more that I talk to Joe, the more I seem to keep getting in more into lore and more into role playing. Uh, I actually talked to him one night <laughs> over uh, Ventrilo, and we literally talked for almost an hour about it. And I found myself more in game, getting more involved with the uh, lore elements, and basically sitting on WoW Wiki all night. To that, I say I've done my job <laughs> thoroughly. Well, it is something that, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people aren't quite aware of just how much. Again, I don't want to keep using the word lore, but how much depth there is to the story, to that world. Um, recently, I actually, I've been wanting to pick up a lot more of the the books to read up on the lore uh, of Warcraft. I mean, I've been playing literally since the RTS days, but there's a lot of stuff that you miss unless you are specifically looking for it. And the way that Blizzard is doing it now, a lot of the actual lore that you you not that you need to know, but if you are a lore junkie that you need to know, is presented either in the books or even in the comic books, actually. Um, so there's a lot there that you don't necessarily know, even if you read through all the quests. Like, I just read Lord of the Clans, which is the, the story of Thrall, and what I found was that, again, even though I've been playing since since day one, even though I, I played all the RTS stuff and all, there was so much of the the backstory of, of Thrall that I had absolutely no clue about that was fantastic to read. And and you reach on a good point. There's there's a lot of intricacies that are in the game that you either really have to search for um, or you can take the time and just buy the book. <laughs> and Lord of the Clans was... Uh, I look forward to hearing your review about it later because it's one I haven't had a chance to uh, to thumb through myself. Yeah, no, it was actually a fantastic book. I was really impressed with it. Although it is written by one of the better authors, um, I've, I've read that some of the other ones did not quite cra- capture it quite as well. It's 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 one of those things where it because it is set in a, a fantasy setting, a fantasy world, it's very easy to screw up. So if you have an author who is going to fall on um, cliches and things like that, it it makes it really painful to to trudge through. Whereas if you have somebody who actually 
is going to make it something that is completely believable that this can happen and not fall on old cliches it actually winds up being one hell of a fun story and again the mere fact that you're reading a story about an orc you know who is being raised by humans as a slave and everything else the the fact that somebody can take that and make it into something that's completely believable let alone once she gets to the parts that deal with the the shamanism which i mean make absolutely no sense but to to build on it in such a way that you're willing to to give up to, to lend them your credibility like go ahead I'll, I'll i'll believe this as long as you can keep it interesting and somewhat real and she does a good job at that so it is something that i quite enjoyed and I'm, I'm looking forward to reading especially the other books that she has written so that i can get a little bit more background on some of the other characters in that universe that too and i mean like uh grace you're in the chats now uh chiming in thanks for sticking around in the chat there gray um <laughs> Christy Golden is one of the uh, the two best that they do have writing. I mean, you look at the the Arthas book as an example. Um, she has a real flair for the Warcraft lore. So, yeah, well, it, it goes beyond just flair. In all honesty, because if you're looking at it in terms of, again, it's being able to take something that is completely, completely irrational and presenting it in such a way that it can be believed. And she does a very good job. So I am looking forward to reading the other ones. And I and I do really like the fact that that essentially Blizzard is giving her permission to give Thrall dimension, dimensionality. Mm -hmm. Because I mean, she could have created certain quirks in him that would not have rung through true. And here you have her creating things in him that Though you have the 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 standard fare of the the nobleness and the, the 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 and things like that, there's so much more, and she and that's the the mark of a true writer when you can when you can go beyond those simple things and create a character that is real and true. Then it's it's again it's a mark of a true writer, and she does a phenomenal job. So again, in the same way that she did that for Thrall, I'm really looking forward to seeing what she can do for some of the other characters so that I can, again, get a better grasp of those. And I do want to pick up the comic books as well to get a, a good idea of where the stories are progressing, where we would not have read in the simple quests. And that's something that I wish that Blizzard would invest more in the game. The, the, the thing with the game is that a lot of people are relying on the game to fill their lore needs. And... The fact of the matter is it simply won't because there's so much lore that is outside of the game that I think Blizzard needs to find ways to import in to tell the story. I mean, it's going to cost them some sales in terms of books and, and, and comic books and whatnot. But the fact is, is that it should be in there. We should be able to see, to read more about it. I'm not talking about like, you know, 500 page novel, but more than what we're getting. And, and that I'm going to chime in real quick because we touched on that in episode two. Um, what they're doing with the game, and if you follow the development, um, and they're, they're going to be putting their developers notes, they have like uh, developers' notebooks and stuff that are going to be going up on Twitter and their websites, as that's one of the things they want to do is they want to have the people that do nothing but, you know, focus on playing the game have access to the lore now we might not get all the old stuff like the war of the ancients and and things like that but you do get a lot of it now they started trying to do stuff like that with like caverns of time when you go back in and you, you rescue thrall you get a good chunk of who he is and what he is and that's especially important for characters that maybe don't play horde um so you get to see things like that happen um, but they're also following the policy of look don't tell um we're going to get a lot more 
visual, a lot more storytelling instead of just having to search and read. And I think we're going to see more of them hitting that that point. But I think that you can go too far with that. I think that, see, and it's my opinion that, and I'm not the only one as well, Blizzard has been demifying the game over time. I mean, we can agree to that to a certain degree. I do agree that the, the show don't tell is an important aspect to games, for sure. However, I think that there has to be a way to split it where you have the option of reading more in terms of the quest or in just having the, you know, this is what you knew, bulletin points kind of thing of go kill this many, come back to me with their hides. So there should be more options in terms of turning something on or off even if it's as simple as something as an interface setting that then gives you more of an option and then yes it'll be more development time for them in terms of having two sets of quests for everything but all it's going to do is it's going to create one main quest line that'll involve all of the text and everything and then one quest line that does not so it's not like it's rocket science i, th- I think richard could probably handle this and uh <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think they could definitely do it, and it'd be something then that you're you're appealing to more than just one audience. You're appealing to everyone in a broader sense, and I think it would work for them if they did something like that. I feel as a player, like such as myself, someone who you know kind of signs into the game, doesn't really see as much lore as possibly someone who's read the books or seen the comics or anything thing of that nature i'd love it if the quests were more involved you know when i did a quest i took a lot more out of it instead of this is what i'm doing i'm going to kill a mob and bring it back to this guy you know perhaps maybe even after you finished a quest you know say for instance you finished all the quests your max level you want to go back without leveling a tune maybe you can see past quest text you know when they add it back in or if they added two separate quest texts you could basically see okay this is where the story went this is what i should know at this point and what i was progressing to yeah, exactly. Good point. We're going to move away from this now. Uh, we're going to touch a little bit more on WoW a little, a little bit later on, but we're going to just touch on a little bit of the news for, for the past week. There's been quite a bit of stuff that's actually been happening right now. Um, as always, Joe and I have been playing some some Ion, as has uh, Rick in between moving. <laughs> so there's some, some different news in Ion right now, but before we touch on that, I don't know if you are following the um, the Star Trek online right now, Joe. I am, I am, I am. It's one of my favorite companies, Cryptic, putting it out and pushing it. So, of course, I'm following it. I'm a sci-fi nerd. Are you following more that one or are you following Star Wars? Uh, I will be honest. I am following more of the Star Trek than the Star Wars right now. Not that I prefer one over the other before I get into the whole Trekkie versus Star Wars geek thing. We're not going to get into the fanboys debate. No worries. Um, But the reason I'm following it is because of the fan base, the implication of when it drops, what it'll do. Well, see, I'm actually, I'm not a fanboy of of either. I was around when both of them came out kind of thing. Um, well, not so much a, a the Star Trek that was a little bit before my time, but I was around for to, to see the reruns and whatnot. Um, but the, the, the Star Wars did come out in my time frame, but I never was as much into it. And it's not because I wasn't into the sci-fi mentality, because I, I enjoyed that as much as anybody else, but... There was there were other things that that drew me in a lot more. So I'm not one of these fanboys who is dying for either one of them to come out. I know quite a few people like that, and I'm not like that. So I'm basically looking at it in terms of whichever one is better is the one that I'm going to be more interested in playing. But the problem is, is I'm seeing cool stuff on both sides. There's some really mm-hmm. interesting comes coming things coming out. There was a video that came out. Um, 
that I posted on For the Lore on the, the Cursant, the, the making of that world for Star Wars, which I thought was absolutely phenomenal. It was so interesting. It's unbelievable to think about the, the amount of work that went into creating that world that is entirely it's it's a city the entire thing is a city and the 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 amount of attention to detail that they put into it like bioware is really going all out with this i don't know if you saw that video i did i watched it i watched it from the site uh thankfully for you you know putting it up there um but it was it was it's it's nice to see developers talk about it as they're making it uh and i don't want to say reverence for the content but knowing it so well and knowing that they have a lot to live up to uh such a a rich history that's spanning decades at this point of of fans that they need to do it right and they're doing it i'm sorry they're, they're just they're making it done in such a way that i mean it's one it's bioware i absolutely love bioware it's a company that really does do everything they do really well um it's just nice to be brought inside a little bit on stuff like that like the making of course yeah and and that's the thing too we're, we're willing to give them a lot more faith because of who they are as a company and to and and know that the end result will be good um as opposed to the the butchering that star wars galaxy's got but the um but it's nice when you see this kind of thing and you actually get the behind the scenes of it and the the star trek as well is there's a lot of really cool stuff coming through for that which is fairly interesting and and i'm um again (laughs) i can't afford to play that many mmos (laughs) i gotta limit my choices here but just to say the 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 star trek online has been slated for the first quarter of 2010 like that's coming up soon and uh Go and ahead. they've been working on it. They've been working on it for a long time. We first got our snippets about it. I mean, years ago, yeah. um, before before Star Wars, the new MMO was announced. So I mean, they, they've been keep they've been playing this one really close to the chest. Um, I'm excited, <laughs> which makes you wonder how much of it is done by now because they're really starting. I don't know if you've noticed this as well, but it almost feels like they're starting that media blitz. They're starting mm-hmm. to give a lot more information, more screenshots, more videos, and so you're getting the impression of, okay, this is coming down the pipe pretty soon now. And, and that's it. They're starting the, the viral campaign. It's, it's already begun. Yeah. So what happened is that, uh, I'm going to probably butcher this name, uh, Craig Zinkevich, whatever from Star Trek online. He's the executive producer. He confirmed that, um, it will be coming out first quarter of 2010. And what he said was without giving you the date, which I'm not allowed to give out or else the marketing people will come and smack me in the back of the head. I can tell you that the game will be out the first quarter of 2010. And then he continues on to say the closed beta is really just around the corner which must have people foaming at the mouth right now oh i can only begin to imagine i know uh one of my friends who absolutely despises despises mmos makes fun of me constantly for all the ones i play saw that and is now giggling like a schoolgirl waiting for it to be released. <laughs> well, it's, uh, again, and I, I don't want to keep comparing the two, the Star Trek and the Star Wars. The, I'm quite certain they'll probably be very different games. And I, again, I really am not a Star Wars geek kind of thing. Not that I have anything against them. I'm not, though. 
I saw that trailer and or sorry the video for Curse on and I was thinking, oh my god, like I want to play that now. <laughs> so it's it's doing a good job in reaching people. So I'm I'm looking forward to, to it coming out. I would love to get into the beta for actually both of those to fool around with it to get a good feel for which one because I might very well wind up adding that to, to my MMO list. It's it's a possibility. I don't know. Well, that and I I haven't picked up Uncharted two. Now that came out last week, and it has been getting nothing but good good reviews. I I haven't read any negative things from it, and I actually know a number of people who picked it up and bought it. Um, one of the guys that I work with picked it up, and what he's been saying is that he's actually he's trying to play it slower just so that he can enjoy it more because he's having such a fun time with it. And the multiplayer has really taken off and people are really enjoying that a lot. So I I don't know if you got a chance to rent it. Probably not yet. Right? No, I've been way too consumed with, uh, ion with wow, with champions online, which I just started another character because I'm a freaking addict. (laughs) Uh, and Brutal Legend, which, in my opinion, must uh, be fucking game of the year. Well, you know what? I've got the demo, and I hate to say it, I haven't even started the demo yet. We did really bad, but I haven't had the time. But I'm dying to do it. But what I've read on that, actually, is that though the game starts off really well, and maybe up until the three-quarter mark is fantastic, it kind of, at that point, drops in terms of enjoyment. I, I don't know how far you've gotten into it, but that's what I've read. I am at the second RTS stage. The game um, combines the storytelling, the single player, the single player stuff, um, with real time strategy, which is their multiplayer stuff. Um, and I, I'm not having anything but fun yet. I mean, I'm loving it. I'm laughing at it. I'm loving the soundtrack. I'm loving the rock star cameos. Like, I'm sitting there, my roommate comes in, and she wants to know why the fuck I'm giggling, and I'm sitting there with the game paused because Ozzy fucking Osbourne just upgraded my ride. You know, and it it is, I don't know, people are saying that they lose a lot of fun in it, but uh, I'm still having fun, and I've had it since it came out, so... Huh. Well, cool. I, another game that I'm going to be looking forward to picking up is um, Borderlands. I, I did mention it's quite obviously that both Rick and I are going to be picking it up and playing it. There's actually a deal for, for my Canadian brethren out there. There's going to be a deal tomorrow. Well, it's going to be too late by this comes out. But there, <laughs> anyways, there's going to be a deal with um, with Walmart, Future Shop, and Best Buy where you can pick up the game for 40 bucks. Now, that's only the console version, not the PC version, but still, 40 bucks is damn good. And we saw the same thing with Batman um, Arkham Asylum where they had that unbelievable retail price when it first came out and then it went up to normal after a, a little while and i don't know if more retailers are seeing that that kind of publicity when they do something like that actually sells a fuck ton of copies so it's worth doing well and and that's an interesting thing too and, and one of my guys at work uh, who i hope to hopefully have a guest on who's a, an up-and-coming game programmer um we we had a nice conversation about it where you look at these companies that lower their price point just a little bit and do this really interesting very nice uh campaign this 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 specials and sales skyrocket through the roof i mean you you saw it with left for dead when it went for 25 dollars on steam 25 dollars and the game was brand new at 50 they sold more units in 24 hours than they did the from the point of release i mean you just you, you look at it people want lower price points people want deals they want they want special stuff they want to feel like special snowflakes 
Well, the thing too is that more of them need to realize that again, it's it's that greed where we'll sell it for sixty, and we may not sell as many, but we'll we'll make a decent coin. Whereas they don't realize that if they sell it for less, they're going to sell more copies. They will make more money. It's that's just the way it is. And so I'm really happy. I, I will be very happy if this becomes a trend. If we start seeing this more, I'm a little disappointed that it's not going to apply to the PC version, but I am glad that it is at least being done. And, and and I think you just hit the nail on the head there. Right? I think it is going to become a trend. I think we are going to see it more, especially as avenues for game development have started opening up with Xbox XNA and uh, the PSN network letting their code uh, go for people to develop games. Um, it's showing exactly how much gamers want a lower price point. I mean, we drive these companies. We go out, we pay their games, we pay their monthly subscriptions. I mean, if I'm going to pay $50 on a game, it better be fucking good. It better make gold as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> But if you give me a game, you give me a game for twenty bucks, like I went and picked up, uh, believe it or not, Plants vs Zombies for twenty dollars. I bought it. Twenty dollars throw away in a game, and it's fun. I'm no kidding. But see, that's the same thing with a lot of the PSN and a lot of the Xbox Live games right now, wherein you're not paying that much for it. But the problem, the, the thing is with those is that the, the development standpoint, it's it's a lot cheaper to develop than the, the bigger titles. So you can appreciate that to a certain degree. However, even just the, the again, the $40 price point makes sense. It's not mm-hmm. greedy at that point, And you are respecting your your, your, your supporters, your, your the game community. So I, I really hope that we see more of like case in point too like we were just talking about ion we've both been playing it and like i i i paid a lot for ion okay especially i bought the collector's fucking edition pre-ordered it i paid a good coin for that game and i'm disappointed in quite a few aspects of that now i would be letting willing to let a lot more of that slide had i not paid that much for the goddamn game and i understand that there's there's obviously a higher development costs associated with it and then it's going to be a pay-to-play mmo and whatnot so i i can appreciate all that however had they gone with a lower price point initially to entice sales and to actually have a little bit more respect for the the gamers it would have been something that we would have um been a lot more lenient with in terms of being upset with how it was going kind of thing and moving on from there Ion did do a couple of things recently to try to help with what is going on. They did introduce the spam filter, which kind of almost works, but you're seeing a lot more problems in terms of now they're using different characters to write out their spams. They're mailing you spam and they're setting up AFK shops that are full of spam. So the spam is still there. They haven't quite resolved it, but they are working on it. They're, they're trying. I give them credit for that. I did log in and I did notice a lot less. In the, but looking for group channel, I turned it back on. I braved it. Uh, and it was a lot clearer. But then when I did walk into town, I, I, I waited. Oh, yeah, it's there. They did send us um, Lotus Amulets, the XP tokens to grant you 20 experience, uh, extra experience while you're you're grinding. There's five of those as a goodwill gesture. So it is kind of appreciated. Is it enough? At this point, having been through as much as we have, no, but it's it's a start. Now we're going to move on to regular news, and it is right now Halloween time pretty much. Um, everybody is working on their Halloween content for their games. Champions Online has the Blood Moon stuff coming out. What uh, What do you have to say about that? 
Uh, quite a bit, actually, because I've been watching this like a hawk and waiting for it. Uh, the Halloween event for Champions Online starts on October 27th and runs till November 10th. Um, they will be introducing a new power set, Celestial, which is I can go out and kick somebody's ass or I can go heal a party with it. It's their hybrid set, and it really looks cool. Um, the big thing about it, though, that I'm looking for is the Dawn of the Undead Heroes. The game actually is a lot of lore in it. Like, Roger, I don't know if you've activated yours yet, um, but when you log in for the first time and you bring up your journal, there's a lore tab, and that lore tab will tell you all about the history of what happened in the city and all about these different heroes. Well, Dawn of the Undead Heroes, a nasty villain, Taiko Fanes, comes up, and he resurrects 13 of the greatest heroes that the game world has ever seen. And these 13 heroes are brought back to rain death and destruction upon the entire world. And in the as Blood Moon releases, you're going to be part of the force that tries to stop it. I can't wait. It looks awesome. It feels awesome. And I just want it. Um, another <laughs> another interesting point about it is they're doing uh, something called Bite. Um, players have a chance to join a wolf hunters and rid the land of abominable werewolves. Um, however, you can be turned into one. You get bit. Guess what happens? You turn into one. Now you can go wreck your friends. How cool is that? <laughs> I actually I haven't activated my thing yet. I was looking at that and thinking that I might actually wait just so that I can be a part of what's going on there because it does look quite cool. On the Ion front, they're doing the Harvest Revel right now, which is seeing some different things for both Asmodians versus the Elias. The Asmodians are doing a lot of the um, they're chasing the wild Kurt what Kurthanir hunt leader. There's going to be a variety of festive dishes as well. Fuck if I know what that means. But they're going to be doing different stuff than the Elias. The Elias are going to be having a lot of undeads that they have to slaughter and whatnot. Um, but it's it's nice that they're doing different things on both sides so that we can experience a little bit of uh, if you play both sides, if you have vaults on both sides, so you'll be able to do something different. Now, considering that the game has is essentially brand new and considering that there has been a lot of problems, I think that something like this is a nice little... PR thing as well, putting a little bit of spirit in the game so that people can have fun. So that's it. Now on the WoW side, we're looking at basically the same thing as always been there, um, the Headless Horseman. Uh, Joey, would you like to take that one away? Uh, yeah, actually, um, every time that I've done it previously, I've been the Horde, and basically it's basically been my mage porting. I'm talking. I'm actually going to complain about uh, lines getting there. Um, basically, the group compromise, if there's not a Warlock in the vicinity... It literally takes almost 30 minutes for everyone to get together and huddled together to go in there. So it was nice to see it from a different side, you know. Um, I actually, the first night it came out, I stayed up, you know, uh, and I tried to bang out every achievement. I always try to bang out all the achievements at once. You know, I really don't let it just drift over the last two weeks. But I, it's actually my favorite uh, holiday in the game. It's a ton of fun. Very good. Very good to hear. I know a lot of people are, even though it's an oldie, are still having fun with it. Um, I know my guild leader just got his Violet Proto Drake, so he's probably waiting for the raid to start tonight, flying around and, and rubbing it in everybody's face because he's finally got it on his death night. Yeah, there's a lot more that's been going on. Or a lot more people getting their Drakes now simply because they, they didn't have the Brewfest one. So this is, you're seeing, I think, a, a larger portion of the people getting this one, getting their, their year in now. Uh, I definitely see that a lot more and more. Yeah. So in terms of other WoW news right now, uh, I'm going to let you take that away, Joe. All right. Um, there's a, not a whole lot going on, but there's enough to, to fill a few minutes here. Um, first of all, the big, big 
spoiler release was the Death King Death animation. It's out there if you want to go look at it. Uh, for those of you who are listening, this is going to be a spoiler alert. Um, the Death animation shows his helmet falling from him as he's gasping for air and falling just outside of hand reach as Arthas then keels over. What does this mean for the game? I have no clue, but I, I can't wait. Um, another spoiler alert, Simon Bolivar, like most of us have been predicting since the Wrathgate, is not dead. Simon Bolivar was dragged back into the Citadel, and the Lich King has been trying to break him to make him into his greatest champion yet. So there's all sorts of, of data mining going on, trying to find the audio files and references to it. But we'll get to see him again, too. Um, there's been a few minor tweaks in the patch 3.3 up on the PTR. Feel free to go check it out at warcraft.com slash patchnotes slash testrealmpatchnotes.html. Um, they'll always keep it up to date. Uh, as far as that goes, there are two last things I do want to talk about real quick in WoW news. Uh, first of all is the BOA rep rewards. Uh, bind on account. Uh, bind on account items are ones that you can purchase, like heirloom items for badges and things like that. You can share between all characters on your account. Um, this previously has not included Horde to Alliance, but it is being looked at for 3.3. So we'll be there very soon to be able to send our heirloom items and our bind on account items between our Alliance and Horde tunes. Um, but rep rewards are one of those things where you were forced to endlessly grind rep on all of your tunes in order to get the best head and chance, shoulders and chance, and, and whatnot. Right now they're making them bind on account. You have one character that has exalted with Sons of Hodir, go ahead and buy the exalted shoulders and chant and send it to another, another tune. No big deal. You can go ahead and do it. You're not forced to grind rep out endlessly. Good job on their part because I know a lot of people, myself included, hate grinding rep out on our numerous 80s, which I'm on 80 number 5 right now. Um, so yeah, that, that made me very happy. Um, the last bit of big news is one of the bosses for Ice Crown has been being talked about, Lord Marogar. Lord Marogar is one of our, our biggest... I'm trying to think of how to put it. Amalgamations of assholery that I've seen. <laughs> Some of the best content was arguably Black Temple and Sunwell. And in those, you had very interesting fights, very gimmicky fights, but very interesting fights nonetheless. Um, you have an essence of Nagentis with the spines. He used to throw spines and pin, pin players down, and you had to pull them out. Marigar does the same thing. Leotheris the Blind, one of who's a bane of so many guilds, I can't even count it, with his little whirlwind. Oh yeah, Lord Marigar has that as well. Uh, erupting fire from the ground and killing people? Uh, yeah, we got that too in this boss. It's all rolled into one and thrown into the game. And this character is also pretty lore-centric because he's a manifestation of the power of the Frozen Throne. Yes, that would be at Supremus. Thank you, Doug. Um, but you get those three bosses and you get them rolled into one and it's just this lovable ball of pain and hatred that I can't wait to get my hands on and stomp. So yeah. And that's that's what's going on in WoW right now. That that's that's quite a bit. <laughs> I don't know if you have as many alts as uh, as uh, Joe has there, Joey. I know that I actually the idea of being able to the the cross faction thing is actually something that interests me because I do create quite a few, so I've got characters all over the damn place. So it will be nice. Oh, that, that it's absolutely really cool. When I heard you know uh, Jane on one side and Sylvanas on the other. I have an undead mage and I have a dwarf priest. So it's amazing that I get to experience both of these from both sides. A lot of people don't actually get to do that. So, you know, recently reading so much into the lore that I have, you know, I'm absolutely just 
edge of my seat for this. I, I honestly just can't wait to see what's going to happen. And um, actually talking about uh, Bolivar, like, you know, a uh, spoiler. <laughs> when when it was originally brought up, you know, the whole of him actually being alive and Arthas really pushing for it, I thought that, you know, as a character, you know, rolling an alliance and looking at him, he really stands for basic hope, hope in the game, you know, a representation of hope and justice. And for him to be, in my eyes, at least like the ultimate good, you know, and he still hasn't broken, that was exciting to me that he's still there, still fighting. You're like, wow, this guy's been here for three weeks and he's still pushing along. Lots of exciting changes coming. Lots of exciting news on the horizon. Moving away from that a little bit now, just to progress to the the next kind of patches, are you looking for, when you're thinking about Cataclysm right now, what are you thinking in terms of your your progression of your characters? Are you thinking of starting fresh with the new um, races, or are you thinking of sticking with what you've got and just progressing from there? I, I honestly see myself just taking one of the characters I already have. Um, I have more of an emotional relationship with them, and I feel like I need to take them through the journey, you know, see it from uh, 80 to 85. Um, eventually, down the line, I'm going to try out Worgen. I really like the lore behind Worgen and, you know, the gate finally coming down. It's I, I have to see what's going on behind here. And goblins as well. I mean, can't get much better than goblins. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is if goblins get better totems than me, I'm going to throw a shit fit. <laughs> Eventually, and they'll be made of gold. That's the gold, thing. Gold and gears and spinning. Fuck them. <laughs> All right. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, uh, I honestly, uh, I, a lot of people are complaining about the racials for goblins, but it doesn't get much better than fine treasure. I found, you know, absolute ton of it in Azeroth, so... You know, hopefully that goes unchanged when they buff the, the racials, because I love it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how how much they change the other racials, um, because what we've been seeing is a lot of, again, a lot of things becoming much more general in terms of abilities and whatnot, so that it's it's very much the same for each one, or very, very close. And then you have something like the Worgen and the Goblins that are really changing that up now with the racial. So it's going to be interesting to see if they actually take a lot more chances when they change it, or if they're going to stay with the t- tried and true, essentially, kind of thing. Richard, thanks for coming on the show tonight, and uh, you are officially our first guest ever, so thank you very much for that and uh, joining in on this auspicious occasion. Hey, thanks for having me. Not a problem at all. Uh, so I could do the, the whole canned interview thing, but we, we tend to frown against that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your internet persona, Gracier? All right. Um, real life name, Richard Powell. Um, I'm a work for a government contractor, aspiring game designer. I have a, you know, long-term goal of one day hopefully working for Blizzard. So most of what you see online is kind of a active uh, resume of sorts, you know? Hey, right. Blizzard, look at me. This is what I can do. Um, I've got my primary, I guess, uh, main site is Lorecrafted, in which I babble on and on about uh, Warcraft lore, uh, speculation, backstory, things like that, the, the stuff that I truly love. 
Um, I've also got a couple of web comics out there, uh, non WoW related one and a WoW related one, uh, plus my uh, guild site, which is a role playing guild on Earth and Ring Alliance side called Netherbane. Uh, that's sort of a place where I have a bunch of different stories and whatnot. And since I do role play a demon hunter, a lot of demon hunter lore kind of works its way into that uh, into that site. Oh, excellent! Yeah, I was uh, I was actually going to bring up the whole Earth and Ring thing there. Uh, I actually know a lot of people that hang out with you on Earth and Ring, uh, and I think it's fantastic that uh, you do a lot of role playing. Um, so back to the the comics there. Uh, I'm a big webcomic aficionado for years and years and years. Uh, want care to tell us a little bit about your webcomics? Um, the WoW-related one is called Madness and Insanity. It's about a... It's a plushy, silly, cartoony version of Yogg-Saron. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen him on Twitter, but uh, kind of chronicles his uh, trials and fubulations, so to speak, um, in a very <laughs> cartoony version of Azeroth. Uh, just sort of fun, just sort of fun to go back into the history of the game and kind of take uh, these serious concepts and just completely turn them on their ear and just toy with them. Uh, that's that's kind of that, that's what that's for. Um, my other one, which isn't well related, is is currently on a uh, sort of a restructure redesign right now. It's called Rusted. It is a robot western, um, kind of a semi steampunkish feel, but it's it's. A story dealing with uh, a particular robot named Sam um, that essentially the world is without humans and the storyline is going to go through and figure out, you know, hey, what the heck happened to these humans? And then you kind of find out that there are more advanced robots trying to make the old rusted robots extinct. And that's the basic premise. Excellent. I, I, I actually didn't know about that one. I'm going to have to go, look, you know, chase it down. I'm a big steampunkish way out in the middle of nowhere type guy so i love that type of stuff yeah i didn't know about that one either actually i'll uh, actually i'll, I'll probably uh, tweet an announcement when i have the site redesigned and re-put back up right now um due to a little domain name error it's the names routing to the old version of lorecrafted before i moved it over to uh, uh squarespace so it's a good concept you've got though it sounds really really interesting thank you i you agree were- i'm definitely uh, I was going to say, I'm just definitely, my interest is definitely peaked. So good job on that one. You were talking earlier about the, um, how you're doing a lot of these things in terms of trying to get the attention from Blizz. Are you limiting most of your attention to Blizz? Um, because I know that there are other gaming companies that when you do a lot of things like that, they actually do take notice more. I haven't seen a lot of that from Blizzard, however. Actually, I, I do tend to have a roughly three to six month cycle in which I submit my resumes to a crap load of different uh, game developers. Um, Blizzard's just kind of the focus at the moment. So most of my creative works that you see tend to be, you know, Warcraft related. Uh, That's just the, that's just the flavor of the what past couple of two years, I guess. Um, but no, I mean, you know, I've applied to Bioware, I've applied to Cryptic, I've applied to quite a few of the smaller, you know, third tier uh, game developers. Um, essentially, anything to get me out of my current job. Not that I hate my current job because hey, it pays the bills and the people there are pretty cool. Um, but it's just not my intended career. So you know. Anything to move into that is what I'm, what I'm trying for, what I'm shooting for. That seems to, to fit with us here too, because uh, I know myself. That's one of my dream jobs is to be writing stories and content for 
uh, a video game, if not any that I can get my hands on. Uh, and that's one thing I've been looking to do as well, trying to, to get myself out there and uh, push myself up. So I, I wish you the best in that endeavor, good sir, because I know it's a, a hard, arduous road to travel. Yeah, I for it was a couple years ago, actually, a, a friend of mine and I founded a very small uh, game development company. We released one tiny game on the pocket PC, and that was about it. But it lasted for about a year. It was, you know, 12 hours, 12 hours a day of work, seven days a week, and it was the best job I ever had. <laughs> I mean, no well, kidding. You know. And there, there's something to be said about doing something you love. I mean, that 12 hours probably seemed like, you know, three. <laughs> Crap, the thing I have to go to sleep. Crap, what is this sleep? <laughs> a lot of the, the, the stuff now, too, with uh, especially like with the iPhone, you can do a lot of different games as well. You're seeing a lot more smaller game devs starting up. Um, basement dev kind of mentality where you do it in your spare time, and these guys are putting out actually good stuff. And then you're seeing it open up a lot more on Xbox Live nowadays as well as with the PSN network. So it's a lot more open to a smaller dev company even just a dev a company of a couple of guys that have this dream and as long as they work on it over time in their spare time it can be something that then becomes something full time yeah and it's it's come back around because you know when i was growing up um i i wasted my first year in college making mods for the quake style games you know hexen hexen 2 um Pretty much my first year was I, I realized that I spent less time studying for my major than I did making mods for games, and that's a, when it, it hit me that I should probably be doing this whole gaming thing um, as a career as opposed to aerospace engineering, because that's rocket science and that that gets difficult. Um, <laughs> well, my, hold on, my, hold on, hold on a second now. <laughs> We've got a rocket engineer as a guest. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes, we did. Failed. So I, I did not quite finish it. That's oh, okay. Oh, all right. Okay, that's that's fine then. Because I mean, well, Enrique could have studied rocket engineering. There's no saying he would have passed though. So I, I, I know he didn't set the bar very high there, but I didn't think that anybody would be leaping over it that high. So, well, I, I tell the story to to anyone that generally asks is, you know how when you're in when you're in school and you have a, a difficult subject and you're you're up all night but you're studying. And you hit that breaking point where you say, you know, damn it, this isn't rocket science. I can do it. And then you push on and you generally succeed. I hit that point and I'm like, damn it, this. Oh, holy crap, what am I doing? And then I changed majors. So that's essentially how that went out. So what do you actually do for a living? Um, I work for a government contractor. I am a web developer, programmer um, for essentially the Department of Defense. Very cool. Very cool indeed. I feel a little outclassed, but very cool. <laughs> <laughs> trust me, it's it's it. Trust me, it's not all that exciting. It's not like I, I cannot order a hit out on anyone. You know, people do ask that. No, I cannot. I don't think <laughs> that's the story, and I'm sticking to it. So you know, <laughs> good to know. Well, we all know that you're a lore junkie, like you know myself and and Roger and presumably Enrique. Uh, what got you into it? What got you? What pulled you into to the stories of of in particular gaming in the first place? In, in general, across the board, I just I'm, I'm, I enjoy gameplay and whatnot, but it's the story that keeps me playing. Um, you know, after you shoot a couple of zombies in the head, you've shot zombies in the head. After you cast a couple of spells, you've cast a couple of spells. It's the story. It's the progression that moves you through that. The reason that you're, you know, blowing up zombies or, you know, raising dead or something like that, that's what keeps me going. So for every game that I play, 
I just, it's the story that I tend to cling to. I tend to attach myself to. Um, been a role player for a very long time. I started in, in Ultima Online where I was like pretty much the only dork running around uh, speaking in character and people were looking at me like I was an idiot. Oh, not the only one, sir. Not the <laughs> only one. <laughs> good. That's good to know. But, and essentially what it came down to was uh, when I started playing WoW, um, you know, had the collector's edition pre-ordered first day launch um first game i encountered had that had roleplay servers i'm like hey this feels like it's for me so that's when actually i rolled on earth and ring and and started it from there and to roleplay you know to roleplay well i mean that's not necessarily true uh i guess to fit your to fit your character into the world as best as you can having a good background on the story is is important so that's when I just started doing my research and going on from there. Did you find yourself like doing a lot of writing prior to WoW? Did, were you the kind of guy who did a lot of the, the fiction writing and the, the short stories and things like that? Or is it just that you built on the RP? Um, I actually did write a bit uh, prior to my roleplay experiences. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you are familiar with the game Battletech, uh, the MechWarrior franchise, the the, oh yes, yeah. The uh, the the tactical game behind that that was actually probably my first lore obsession. Uh, so I, I wrote short stories and whatnot in that universe. Uh, read the novels, you know, pretty much at the time. Read all the novels that were out up until they uh, um, closed out the classic BattleTech universe. Uh, to my sadness, um, then they brought it back. But hey, that's that's a different story. But yeah, started writing in that universe primarily. And then uh, moved on into, as I mentioned before, Hexen, Heretic, uh, Raven Software's uh, neat little dark fantasy world, and then uh, World of Warcraft was probably the next big one that I went into. Did you find that your your writing changed? I mean, when you see, I come from more of uh, a writing background. That's not to say, obviously, that I, I, I haven't always gamed. I always had. However, my writing was always completely separate from my my gaming i it wasn't about fan fiction and rping and whatnot it was complete imaginations that i created kind of thing and now even though i continue to do that i also do a little bit more of the fan fiction and things like that are you finding that you've you've seen that that progression in your own writing wherein because gaming has become such an entertainment standard now where it is well, gaming in and of itself is more popular, sells more, makes more money than all the other entertainments put together. So did you find that you kind of shifted over your your fiction writing as gaming became a lot more popular? Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, actually, it's kind of, I guess, uh, when, as I said, I, I started, you know, Battletech's my first foray into a... a large fictional universe that I can kind of get lost in. Um, but then as a, as a matured, so to speak, use that term loosely, um, as I grew older, I guess, uh, started writing, you know, in my own worlds. And I, I half consider myself to be a world builder because I do love that part, uh, creating the world, creating the, the creation story, the primary characters, the, the, just the lore behind this holy brand new world and so that's where i moved uh, most of my writing to for a very long time and when i founded the the game development company all the properties were based off of those created worlds and so it's kind of that that it's a very similar evolution because what started out as a 
custom, you know, I don't intend this to be for a game. I intend this to be for, you know, my epic 20 book, you know, 20 novel history that will never, ever get written or published. Um, it evolved into, I intend this for my, you know, epic 20 game, you know, <laughs> storyline that will never, ever get programmed. Um, but so, yes, it, it, that kind of idea does, uh, does hold strongly. Did you find it a lot easier to work within somebody else's world that they had created essentially, well, the concepts of the world? Or do you find that you have a lot of your own ideas that you would like to push through for original game design of your own kind of stuff? Uh, both. Uh, it just depends on, I guess, my mood at the time. Or, you know, I guess my... I, I say that like it's, you know, it changes every five minutes, but it's sort of kind of goes on a year, you know, every few years. Um, sometimes I prefer to sit down and develop the history of a world and sometimes i just want to tell more individual stories about characters in an existing setting um the roleplay guild netherbane the demon hunter that i play uh theron grace here um it was a it's a concept that i've explored in other uh, personal stories before that i wondered how would this work in warcraft you know there's a, a character type a character class that fits the concept to a t and I would like to explore this. So that's kind of how that that started. Um, so right now, I guess you can say my preference is working within somebody else's world. Uh, a year or two years from now, I might be back on the cycle of creating my own stuff and and uh, rolling with that. Excellent. It sounds like, uh, sounds like you're about as knee-deep in the lore as the rest of us. <laughs> and I, uh, it, I like that a it, lot. It's It's a fun place to be. I enjoy it. Tell us a little more about what you do on Earth and Ring. Like you, we, we know that it's a role-playing uh, server, and we know that you have a role-playing guild. What type of stuff do you guys do? I mean, I know we have uh, Aaron's on Twitter. His guild does uh, clinics. They do role-playing clinics to help other gamers out and get them back into their character. Um, what about you guys? What do you guys do on Earth and Ring? Um, well, the idea... The core concept is the concept behind the demon hunter, uh, the night elf, you know, warrior who binds his or herself to a demonic spirit and then goes out and tries to defeat the burning legion, burn out their eyes so they have the blindfolds, they don't like heavy armor, so they tend to walk around shirtless and in a kilt all the time. Essentially, you imagine feudal Japanese samurai, and that's kind of the concept that, you know, they were based off of. Um, taking similar ideas from, you know, the the ancient Asian, you know, mysterious warriors, the Netherbane is actually a school, so to speak. And I don't mean a school like, uh, you know, we have classes, there's, you know, there's recess and stuff like that. I mean, you know, crawl your way, you know, climb your way into the, the, the most remote mountains you could find and you stumble across that ancient Shaolin temple that has warrior monks, you know, living there, training and fighting. And so the idea was another band would be modeled off of this this kind of concept to where if people wanted to train to be a demon hunter, they'd have to find us. You know, we're in Ashenvale Forest, it kind of in a uh, tucked away in a little a section there. They'd have to come find us and they'd have to essentially prove their worth to be taught by um, my character and the other characters there to follow that path. And so it's more of a, an individual, uh, a one-to-one roleplay session as I, I take various characters and people who just want to explore this this path, this uh, this roleplay style, and I move their character through the different lessons, the different rituals, and kind of work with them both in character and out of character on how can my particular character class or character style 
uh, fit with that whole demon hunter motif. Well, that's, and that's that's interesting to me too because you see a lot of these uh, these role playing groups do very large rolling sessions where there's a lot of people involved, and I think the one on one approach, uh, personally, as somebody who's been role playing for eleven years now. Um, it's a lot different. It's a lot easier to get somebody in the mindset of a role playing when you're one on one. So I respect that quite a bit. And that's that's really nice that you take the time to do that with people. I've I've discovered that if you're if you're a new role player, and I, I try not to, uh, I don't discriminate against new role players or experienced role players. I mean, if you want to learn, if you want to explore the character, you know, feel free, come on up. Um, but I also find that people who tend to be new tend to be very skittish around other people. They get self-conscious. They tend to go silent. They tend to not really role-play much because they, they're they just afraid. And so on a one, in a one-on-one kind of session or in a very small session, they're usually more comfortable to express uh, or to ask questions um, because there's no risk of, um, you know, quote unquote embarrassing themselves so to speak um, around others when in general it doesn't really happen because I try to beat it into most of the Netherbeam people to not be overly critical of, of other our peers <laughs> and, and that's that's really important um, as somebody who's seen lots of new people kind of shy away from it because they get picked on or, or anything else I think that's really important that you guys are doing that and I, I think that's a big thing so I do – on behalf of all the, the people that are just starting to get into like Warcraft RP, you know, good good job because that's the way to go. Um, do you see much of a difference in terms of when you are role-playing with people, um, their background, if they are someone who writes a lot or who – is somewhat more dramatic um one of the things that i've noticed being a writer is that i because i write fiction and it's not necessarily based in any world like i said i I like to create my own i don't have a problem with living out characters in my head and and it comes fairly naturally to me what i find though is that when you're role-playing that's not necessarily enough you you have to be able to think quickly on your feet because you're essentially living living as that character in that time while you're playing and so then that that more dramatic uh, personality, if you have that, will lend itself very well to role-playing. I don't know if you come across a lot more of that as opposed to just the regular old gamer who's just used to killing shit. Oh, it, it depends on the person because I do find that a lot of um, people who start out role-playing, uh, they do the thing that, that you know we all do. We, the character is a huge part of our own personality. Um, there's there's always something there. There, and there are a few differences, uh, but there's always some sort of core. So it's it's easier for a lot of people to try that to at least start out that way because you don't have to stop and think what would my character do. You can kind of quote unquote cheat and do you know what would I do exactly. Um, so yeah, when people are starting, definitely I, I do tend to see that. Um, there are some people who come in and uh, you know I only know their character. I don't know, you know, I don't know their actual real life personality because they, they're probably very private people. Um, so they, the persona that they give across is purely an in character one. So I can't tell whether or not those people are, you know, playing their themselves with a twist or whether they're a wholly different kind of person. Um, for me in particular, I split my personality between two separate characters. My my serious stick in the mud kind of gruff side is in my demon hunter. My you know balls to the wall wacky silly side is in my gnome. Um, which you know, two separate divergent trees of role play, uh, but they're both fun to do. 
do you find a lot of people in, like in your guild or that you know are doing more than one character so that they can get all of that out kind of thing? Uh, yes. Uh, actually, we do have a few alts, a few people who play multiple different characters with uh, different personalities. Um, and it just, it helps because what you find out is, you know, when you roll a demon hunter, for, at least for the most people, uh, you know, for the large number of people who try it out, uh, the roleplay tends to be a little bit on the dark side. Go figure. <laughs> um, and it can be a bit depressing and or oppressive and or just just heavy every now and then. Uh, so we all have our characters that we just pop onto and, and kick back and just enjoy the game, enjoy the, the, the world, enjoy being silly with. And then there are actually some people who have done a very good job of merging the two. Um, uh, we actually have a purring demon hunter amongst our ranks. Uh, she's Ukara on Twitter. Uh, quite a quite a fun little character to actually uh, interact with. Nice. Very cool. Yeah, I've been uh, recently following her on Twitter, and uh, there's there's a very interesting stream of consciousness going on there, at least from what I can see in the tweets. So I look forward to uh, seeing that more down the line. <laughs> Most definitely. Oh. Uh, looks like we have a uh, a quick question here for you, which I'm gonna I'm gonna go through. The gamers agenda in our chat room wants to know if you prefer text or voice role playing. I don't. If by voice you mean actually like I'm doing now, like over. A vent or something like that. Either if I guess so, I guess it would be I guess it would be either over vent or like like you would do like with a D and D session maybe. Uh, my preference is is generally text. It's it's just easier for me to 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 pause for a second and and actually write. Um, some people who know me in real life know that when we get into a real conversation and I probably bled through a little bit of it here. Every now and then I'll stop to figure out what the heck I want to say next. <laughs> um, Better than saying something you may regret. <laughs> this is true. Um, in text, the pause isn't apparent because, you know, you just don't hit enter until you're done saying what you want to say, uh, which is just for me, it, it tends to portray the character better depending on the character. Well, uh, but just, I do... I'm sorry, go ahead. It's, it's more natural as well. Again, if you're coming from a, a writing background, it's much more natural to do it in text than in voice. If you're doing it in voice, then you are essentially acting. You're not really, in my opinion, role-playing quite as much. Oh, and, I'm, I'm from I'm, the opposite I'm, end of the spectrum on that one, boys. Really? Yes. Um, I find it easier to role-play with voice than I do with text. Uh, and that's because I don't know if it's because of my background of being a Dungeons and Dragons gamer from way back in the day with about 14, 15 different pen and paper role-playing games that I've played. I find it so much easier to get into character and voice and read it off than I do sitting down and writing. Hmm. I'm, I've been a, I've DM'd quite a few D and D games, and I just that's that part is probably the hardest for me because I've never considered myself to be an actor, uh, you know. So. Oddly enough, I, I get self-conscious when I'm sitting there at the head of a table with, you know, five, six, seven other people staring at me, wanting me to play the part of this, you know, particular NPC. So I don't really do that well. <laughs> um, there's another another person that, that I tabletop with, and he's the complete opposite. He does the best. He, he could be an actor. You know, he does the best voices, the best... Uh, uh, characterizations he becomes the npc so he's definitely someone who who would do it a lot better over voice whereas me i tend to like to to fool my players because i'm a props dm so 
if I say, you know, you find an artifact, I'm more likely to, you know, open up a box and hand you an actual crafted version of this artifact. So you could, you know, have it and look at it and go, ooh, this is kind of neat. <laughs> you know, so to, to take away from my really bad acting abilities. <laughs> Still, though, it's, uh, if, if any of my DMs would ever break out a, uh, an actual map or an artifact, I think I'd probably be a happy camper. So uh, I give you kudos on that one. Uh, that's, that's pretty pretty neat. <laughs> Back into just a, a little bit of a, a questioning with uh, lore and, and role playing and things like that. Um, talk a little bit about the upcoming expansion and, and content release for uh, Warcraft. And I don't know how much this affects you and your guild as a whole, but with Ice Crown being released and Cataclysm coming to pretty much decimate the world, um, are you prepared for that? How is that going to affect you? What are you looking forward to with it? Uh, what kind of things are you not looking forward to with it? Well, uh, first and foremost, I'm, I'm really curious how Ashenvale is going to be changed, considering that the, the Netherbane side of Lessons is uh, in Ashenvale. It's actually right across the street from the Warsong Lumber Camp. Um, so if Horde expansion tends to take over the site, then I'm probably going to have to move the guild meeting place uh, for the second time since I've been playing, um, which is... Out of character, it's kind of inconvenient. In character, it can serve some. It can create some very interesting roleplay moments, especially since we're going to literally have to move, you know, people and stuff like that away from this place that we've occupied for uh, two, three years now, um, to and, and find another place, find another suitable place to actually teach and train upcoming demon hunters. So, I'm actually looking forward to that because that will be very, a very interesting. A very interesting change. Side of lessons has kind of become stale a little bit uh, over time. Well, if you've been doing the same thing for literally years, it's kind of nice when you are being forced to change because of uh, Blizzard implementing this that that has such a deep impact on what it is that you're doing. So it's not like you have to go out of your way to then convince the guild that this is good, we're going to do something different and whatnot, and we need to stimulate people so that they get more into it. You're being forced to. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Actually, Blizzard has a very neat way, or <laughs> I call it neat. Some people would call it coincidental. Uh, some would say that they just absolutely hate us. <laughs> but back in early WoW, uh, vanilla WoW, prior to the expansion, um, the the Netherbane site actually was one of the open buildings in Darnassus. Uh, the general idea was they were allowed that building because the Sentinels and the Druids wanted to keep an eye on this very small group of demon hunters. You know, we don't like you, we don't trust you, but damn it, we're going to keep you close to us because we can then kill you if you tend to go astray. And had this plot, you know, brought in these other characters, rolled a few plot alts, and uh, had this had this little event. And in real life, I was actually getting the job that I have now. I just started that job, so I was going to have to be out of game for a couple of weeks as I got situated, as I moved and whatnot. So I had this plot that essentially ended up nearly destroying that building. Um, not actually to the point to where it toppled, obviously, because I can't topple a building in game um, but to the point to where it's supposed to be unusable and so the netherbane scattered the, the the guild the group the people in it all still wore the tag but there was no centralized location for us at that time when i come back in game that was the patch that they added auction houses to every city and what building did they choose to add the auction house into <laughs> in Darnassus? <laughs> so in character, 
Therian has a grudge against Arnassus' leadership because they re-annexed the guild hall into a marketplace, <laughs> which is kind of a slap in the face, you know, in, in character thing. How much so, lore could it be? <laughs> I thought I thought it was a, it was one of those neat little you know acts of complete coincidence that just kind of worked out. Um, then we, that's when we moved out to a four song. Which is, which was nice and relatively empty uh, for the first first year or so, and then got invaded by Jornai refugees and Sentinels for the second year, which changed a whole lot. You know, the idea being, crap, they found us and they want to watch us again, so we just have to put up with their presence here. Sounds pretty good. Sounds like uh, we'll have to look and see what the chronicles of uh, the Demon Hunters sort of uh, entail after any changes that happen with uh, with Cataclysm. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how that goes. I'm curious about what happens to Ashenvale. I think I think most of us are. Now, I was previously going to ask you if you wanted to share any uh, stories or writing with us or anything like that, uh, but we kind of talked a little bit in direct messages, and uh, we were you said something about not really reading per se, but sharing different anecdotes. Uh, so I'm going to ask you: Would you like to share any anecdotes with us? Well, it's more of a I guess it's it's an anecdote because it. it it ties to a tip that I give to a lot of role players, um, especially ones starting out or I, the ones who are a bit more jaded, I guess. Um, the biggest complaint that I always hear is, man, you know, there's no RP on this server. There's no role play here. No one role plays ever, yada, yada, yada. And I have to admit, when I log into game right now, it's, it's very difficult to not role play. Um, I haven't... I haven't done my Argent tournament stuff. I just hit Valiant last week <laughs> from the first phase of the Argent tournament stuff, even before they brought in the Coliseum. And that's because when all again, there's definitely a lot going on. The, the, the tip is simply the easiest way to find role play is to create it yourself because people tend to react better to existing role play and they'll respond in character by and large and then you'll you'll start out you know completely alone with this thing you'll you'll walk up to an npc or something like that and just say something in character you know role play with yourself i uh, guess play with yourself i know that sounds odd but it works because you'll find that other people tend to attach to that and they'll come up and they'll respond and watch and listen for those responses and the story that i had tied to this was I used to I used to do patrols, demon hunter patrols in the low area zones for the night elves, uh, Dalinar, and uh, Aldrasil, the the shadow glen, the starting area. And what I used to do is I used to essentially walk around or run around these places, looking like I'm actually hunting something, kneeling down, rummaging around on the ground, you know, just doing this thing like someone who's actually searching for something. And people actually they didn't pick up on what I was doing. I mean, they didn't. Uh, they didn't respond to what I was doing. They actually saw that somebody was role-playing and essentially started emoting things themselves, completely unrelated things. And so in turn, I respond to that, and it ended up being probably one of the more intriguing uh, role-play arcs that I've ever been involved in, uh, dealing with, uh, I believe it was... I think it was Jernai involved at the time. Um, essentially twins who, who had been essentially sold into slavery, who just got out, who had been captured by goblins. And I had never I'd never met these people before. But that little bit, that little bit of actual role play, you know, just role playing without anyone else, without an, an intention of interacting with anyone specifically, 
uh, turned out to be about a two-week-long ordeal that was probably one of my favorite spontaneous interactions that I've ever had in game. And it reinforces the idea to me that the you know, best way to create roleplay, the best way to, to have roleplay is just to create it yourself. Start, start something and let it flow from there. You hear that, everybody? Let it flow naturally. Go and try to start something <laughs> yourself and, and kind of let it go. Well, let it go. To go along with what you're saying, too, I actually did find the same thing when I was role-playing the little warlock that I started. When I decided on the story, when I decided on her story arc and what it would be, or or in so much as how I would start it and play her or whatnot, because it wasn't just a start a character and player and, 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 and something minor, I, I was trying to make it quite something that, that was life-changing for the character i found that as people were talking to me and i was in character and doing it more that i got a lot more response from people than i would have had had i just been lightly role-playing it seems that when you make the effort and you really go the whole nine yards on it and you've got a plan and you you know your character the people most certainly will respond and it's it's kind of interesting to see and you get a, a more of an idea of who is comfortable with that kind of thing and who is much more regimented in their, what they're, they're prepared for in terms of role playing. Yeah. And you find that people, people generally tend to be more comfortable reacting as opposed to acting. Um, And you just, all you have to do is give them something to react to and that can spark something quite, quite interesting. Damn good point. I do want to thank you very much for joining us on today's show. Thank you very much for, you know, sharing with us the side of the game that I think more people should look at that more people personally, I think they should get involved with. Uh, so thank you very much. And thank you for being our first guest. Yeah. Thanks Richard. It's an honor. Thanks guys for having me. Um, for those just curious, um, I'm webmaster of lorecrafted.com to where once again, I just babble endlessly about lore speculation and the history of Azeroth and its people. Well, if I can interject one last thing before we go, I think that what's important about your site and for any site that does a lot of lore stuff is that what what some people fail to, to realize, because you have the hardcore lore people who will look down upon you if you are talking about stuff that they presume everyone should know. But when you're looking at a game like WoW that has been around for so very long, there's a lot of very simple things that people simply would will not know. And so when you go to a site like yours where there's so much information and it's not presented in such a way as to be made inaccessible to somebody who has not been around and don't doesn't know all of these things, you do a very good job of pre- presenting lore in such a way that it's accessible to everyone whether or not they have a large background in terms of Warcraft or they're just getting in because again the game has been going so long there's people just buying it today. Thank you. And actually, one of the biggest things that I, I try to do is I link liberally to WoW Wiki. Um, every major like you know, plot character, things like that, that I make mention of, I try to link back to WoW Wiki because the idea is if you if you don't, you know, if I say something and you have no idea what I'm talking about in terms of uh, in an article, usually there's a link back to WoW Wiki that can fill you in on, you know, what's actually happened. And... I, the goal of Lorecrafted is to help people learn the lore, understand the lore, and just think about the world in a way that a lot of people don't. Um, it's an active story. It's a living story. It's kind of fun, kind of neat. You know, it's we're not talking grand literature here, but hey, it's it's a hell of a fun thing to uh, to pay attention to. Agreed. 
The sands of time have run out, son of Duratan. A lot of people fail to see the depth of the Warcraft universe. Some even dismiss the lore entirely based on preconceptions they have of the game. If they don't like the game for whatever reason, it's easy then to convince themselves that there mustn't be that much to it. The fact is though, the Warcraft universe is quite expansive. There are pros and cons to this however. On the plus side, due to the wealth of lore at their disposal, Blizzard is able to present their lore in games as well as books, comic books, and even an upcoming movie. There's plenty of lore to go around basically. The downside is that, as a World of Warcraft player, you will not be able to satisfy your study of the lore simply by playing the game and actually reading the quests. You simply cannot, as there's so much of the story takes place outside of the game. Due to their show-don't-tell approach, Blizzard is not presenting their lore in a very in-depth manner in the game. I mean, certainly, there are epic quest lines which present a lot of the lore and you feel immersed in that world. However, you will never know as much as when you read their books and comic books. I decided a while back that I would begin first with the books and then proceed to the comic books. Even though I have been playing since beta and reading through the quests, I know for a fact that my knowledge of the Warcraft universe is limited, even though I played the RTS. I began with Lord of the Clans, the second of the Warcraft novels written by Christy Golden. It tells the story of Thrall, Horde Warchief. Golden is regarded as one of the best Warcraft writers and with just cause. She's able to tell an unbelievable story with conviction. Despite the subject matter, she does not fall prey to cliches. She writes of shamanism and you wholeheartedly believe in her words. This is important as the story of Thrall is perhaps one of the most iconic in the Warcraft universe, at least in my opinion. Long before Russell Crowe and Gladiator, there was Thrall. Born to become the next chieftain of the Frostwolf clan, everything changed when his parents were brutally slain when they chose to fight against Gul'dan's treachery. Thrall was then found and raised as a slave by Lieutenant Blackmore. As soon as Thrall was old enough, having been trained to fight by the humans, he became a gladiator for Blackmore. This was not Blackmore's ultimate goal for Thrall, however. He had far more sinister plans, though this I will not spoil. Eventually Thrall did escape, and in his journeys afterwards befriended Grom Hellscream, Drek'thar, or Grim Doomhammer. He did become chieftain and eventually war chief for the Horde, as you already know. The story of Thrall is complex. Many who play World of Warcraft are of the opinion that the orc race is primal, more beast than man. The truth is far more complex though. The orcs are a noble race, that though fierce on the battlefield, live peaceful lives when not confronted by the Alliance. Their study of shamanism is not in order to defeat humans, but rather to live in harmony with the world. You really get a sense of that as Thrall eventually becomes a shaman himself. You also understand more about his compassion and his willingness to work with humans towards an ultimate peace. And it's because of his relationships with people like Langston and Teretha. In Lord of the Clans, you get to bear witness to the development of a character that has gone through so very much. You also get to read how each encounter in his life has a profound impact on who he ultimately becomes. Slave, gladiator, shaman, warchief. Russell Crowe's got nothing on Thrall.
And that's going to wrap up the show for tonight. I'd like to thank everybody in the Ustream audience who came and showed their support. Everyone from Roxabella to Ginny to Simodian, who's always there. And I'd also like to thank Grace here, Richard Powell, for stopping by for that interview. It was fantastic, and we appreciate you making the time to come and be on our, our little podcast. As well, I'd like to thank Joey from Wowerly for giving us a third chair in Enrique's absence. We still do have a spot open for next week. We have several people who are trying to bribe us with cookies and by making fun of Joe, which I wholeheartedly endorse. Make sure to come back next week at 6.45 p.m. Eastern Time on Ustream for the next episode. Last thanks, of course, to Manelli Jamal for the music for the show. Always appreciate your contribution. Thanks, everyone. Take care. one of my guildies fuckers <laughs> okay i'm starting the broadcast so they can hear you now but you're talking about a lot of canadians i think they count me as a uh, wannabe canadian since i'm about <laughs> 30 minutes from the border if that <laughs> joe did i would never call you guys bastards ever no he uses more colorful terms oh so you get double the joes tonight ha 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 I think he's tabbed out of the window. I think he's tabbed out of the window. Yeah, because operating two windows at the same time is far too complicated. Maybe he's not uh, good enough to replace Enrique. Dude, Enrique <laughs> doesn't have two windows. He just has like you know multiple screens because that's how you know Hispanics roll. He's got porn on one side and on the other side us. It's hard to tell which one he's looking at some days. This is the time to get all the bullshit out of your system so that you you don't sound quite as much like a jackass later. Oh, we haven't perfected that yet. <laughs> Hey, Roxabella's in the house. I didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. That means you too, Roxabella. You have lots of friends. Go tell them yes, to listen. She, yes, she does. I, I've met him in real life. He's a yeah. big bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Especially oh when God. you see him standing beside Spooner. <laughs> hey, I was I was witness to the Spooner sandwich, okay? I saw it happen. I saw it go down. I did too. That was that's a memory burned into my brain forever. You probably don't want to use this, the term you saw it go down either. I, no, it is highly appropriate for that situation, believe me. I, I think Richard will back me up on that one. <laughs> Most definitely. You know, I've, I've noticed something. This this cast already seems a little more mellow than normal. I guess Rick really does bring out our anger. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> he's young. You gotta you gotta forgive him that. He's still young. There's there's still a lot of piss and vinegar in him. And he hasn't been married long enough. Once you're married long uh, enough, all that just disappears. Until you get like a couple bottles of wine in you, right, Roger? Basically that's it. You have to. You learn to cope is what I'm getting with. <laughs> Apparently very quiet. Shh. There's a podcast going on. Okay, All right, so... Wow, just hold on a second. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Jesus. You're I telling said, your way in on me, and then you're telling me not to? Jesus. I, but we, I didn't say go. Okay, just wait for the go. I'm in charge of the buttons. Is it one, two, three, go? Do you go on three? Do you go after... Sorry, never mind. <laughs> Good girl, Roxy. <laughs> God, I love you. Who the hell would rage against boobs? What, what gamer? What? What? 
I, I, don't, I don't know, know. but it concerns me a lot. Unless it involves boobs. Okay, well, we may just ignore him. Answer, you bastard! My sister just left you, mean you just threw her down the basement stairs so you can come join us? That's devotion. I'm hoping he doesn't mean he's done with her. <laughs> oh, ouch. Man, that would not be cool. Yes, 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 I do introduce my sword to them, and not the metaphorical sword, the actual sword. No, the sword is not my penis. <laughs> yes, it is. No, that's my... No, 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 that's my hammer. That's, that's your steel sword. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, Roger, your ugly mug's up on the site again. Good Lord. I know, but I'm showing my glass. It's full. I feel happy. <laughs> and witty and gay? I can... Well, two or three in bed. You decide which ones you want. <laughs> oh, I already know which two. It's just for the audience to figure out as we go along. When when WoW first first came out, my my eldest son and I actually picked up copies so that we could play together. And then I'm I was actually in in the beta, so this is literally retail day one. We picked up a copies and we were going to be playing together. So we started playing, and then we had decided that we were going to be playing on PVE realms at the time, and we decided because it, again the way that it was being sold by Blizzard was a little. It was hard to grasp just what the PvP would be at the time. You gotta remember again that WoW at the time was brand new. Like, we had no idea what we were getting into. So we got on some um, uh, PvE realm and we started playing. We were having fun. And then little did I know, the, the little bastard created a warrior on a, v, a PvP realm and he didn't tell me. And so I was thinking, well, we're supposed to be playing this damn game. This is a father-son thing, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> we're supposed to be on the same realm having fun. Fine, you little bastard, if that's how you're going to be. So this was back in the day when rogues were so overpowered, it was unbelievable. And they ate warriors for, for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And so I said, fine, fine. So he created a Tauren warrior. So I made a little human rogue and on the same realm so that with the... The, the the ultimate goal of killing my kid and, and you basically uh, yelled across the house i love you son yeah i i love you stepity 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 i still love you stepity stepity say as a matter of fact my son didn't even finish leveling that warrior because he got fed up it was it was too hard he had a he had a rogue following him around anywhere he went well there was that too i mean but that was just a small part the, the <laughs> blizzard was to blame it wasn't me it seemed like anywhere I went, I was just like this pin cushion for abuse. So his first experience of the game was two naked undeads who put on dresses <laughs> with fishing poles talking about an undead torn. 